0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts, stocks tracking, interactive charts, and market insights, all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today.
1: Hello and welcome to Sportbox. Here are your headlines today. Today. Apple warns Chinese COVID restrictions are hurting production of its flagship phones, with the tech giant saying crucial factory activity is operating at significantly reduced capacity. Chinese exports and imports unexpectedly contract in October, simultaneously shrinking for the first time since May 2020, while new COVID cases hit a six-month high.
0: October's non-farm payrolls report topping expectations, but the Dow snapped a four-week winning streak on rising rate fears. The Richmond Fed President Thomas Barkin telling CNBC he still sees inflation rising. There's still a sense that uh,
1: prices still have a room to go. And I think it's gonna be hard for people who have fought hard to increase prices to back off until they get uh, that kind of signal from either their uh, customers or their competitors.
0: Plus, Elon Musk's overhaul of Twitter picking up speed with thousands of employees fired whilst the company looks to launch its blue tick subscription service, reportedly after the U.S. midterms.
2: And COP27 kicks off here in Sharm El Sheikh, Egypt. Top of the agenda, they're calling it loss and damage. The idea of climate compensation. Listen in to what the head of the IMF had to tell me. There is bad news, yes tough times and tougher times
1: ahead. There is also good news for the green transition. We are forced by high energy prices to be more energy efficient. Apple says it has temporarily lifted iPhone 14 production or limited iPhone 14 production because of COVID restrictions at the primary assembly plant for its Pro and Pro Max models in Zhengzhou, China. Lead times for the Pro model are currently more than 10 times longer than the company's other phones. Apple said the Foxconn-operated factory is running at a, quote, significantly reduced capacity. A quick look at some of the big Asian Apple suppliers uh, across the board, and you can see Foxconn pulling back in trade today. Uh, Other key names tracking higher at this stage. So a bit of a mixed board to show you. Greater Chinese stocks are rallying yet again on reported rumors of a change in COVID policy that's despite clear pushback from the chinese government over the weekend beijing officials called a press conference to reiterate there is no imminent change to the strict zero COVID policy with a disease control official calling the approach quote completely correct now china has reported its highest number of new cases in six months chinese export numbers fell for the first time in more than two years in october Coming in at 0.3%, weaker in dollar terms. Now, that is a sharp miss on Reuters' expectations of more than 4% growth. Imports also declined, falling by 0.7%. Let's get out to Sam for more. Sam, very mixed numbers coming through on the trade side, but also this COVID situation telling us about a real-life situation unfolding at the Apple production headquarters there.
2: Good morning to you, Karen. That's right. A bit of a reality check, I think you could call it. A fairly disappointing set of numbers (coughs) that we got today when it comes to both the exports and the imports, surprisingly contracting. The first time we've actually seen them both contracting since May 2020 at the height of the pandemic. And really, that just goes to highlight slowing demand at home and abroad with, of course, these global recession fears, this higher rates and inflationary environment. No doubt that is taking a hit to some of that spending demand for goods out of China. We know that there was a bit of front loading over the summer to try to get ahead of some of that. But also, as you mentioned, as we have seen China very much sticking to its guns with this zero COVID policy, we already know that that has taken a hit to production and those supply chains with this iPhone factory over in Zhengzhou, the latest, of course, to flag some of these challenges. Now, of course, those exports were the big surprise. The market was way off, looking at 4.3 percent. We saw a contraction that came despite the weaker currency we do know that there has been some suggestion that perhaps the authorities are tolerating some weakness in the currency to try to help those exports but they came in weaker despite that of course now of course one red flag that we know for exports is imports because some of those materials that come into the country are then re-exported of course The weaker currency is not helping that either. Uh, But those imports are also contracted. We saw a fall when it came to that. We were seeing uh, last month, of course, uh, basically no growth when it came to imports. And if you look at the breakdown in terms of the commodities, some of those materials coming into China, coal imports coming off that 10-month high, of course, on persistent COVID curbs. We saw those iron ore imports actually falling month on month. They did better on a yearly basis, but imports of soybeans falling the most since 2014 natural gas the lowest in 2 years crude oil imports were up but that was down to china actually firing up more uh, oil refiners in the month of october so that all helped but that actually brought the trade balance uh, just to a smidge wider than what we saw in september uh, just over 85 billion dollars but as i say the markets have largely been defying uh, those expectations that we could actually see a broad sell off in chinese stocks today day off the back of this suggestion that China uh, is very much going to carry on with this dynamic clearing. Now, that seems to be a fairly vague term, but what they seem to mean by that is to move, remove these positive cases, certainly from the transmission chain. But this came off the back of, of course, a lot of rumours that we got last week that helped fuel the rally and helped strengthen the Chinese currency, that we could perhaps see some relaxation of some of those COVID curbs as early uh, as March. And So many were watching this press conference on Saturday of the Chinese health authorities for some sort of official confirmation that that would be the case. But of course, they have said that they would be sticking to this strategy. And so at least for now, the lockdowns, the quarantine, the health codes, the testing are very much here to stay. We have, of course, seen that Chinese currency pulling back off the back of this this morning. You're looking at the offshore uh, seven tenths of one percent in the Asian session today. Guys, back to you. Sam, thank you very much for the update.
0: Right, we've had a whole load of data coming out uh, from Ryanair posting 1.37 billion euros after-tax profit for the six months to the end of September. Uh, That is pretty much in line with the analyst's forecasts as well. Uh, the group says it remains hopeful that full year fares will remain ahead of the full year 2020 pre-COVID by a mid to high single digit percentage, remaining cautious that yields uh, could be impacted at a very short notice as well. Uh, cautious guidance will remain hugely dependent on not suffering mm-hmm. adverse effects this winter, uh, modestly raising up their full year 2023 traffic guidance to 168 million passengers, previously 1665 um, I'll do one or two more briefly because there's a lot in here as well. The full year 2023 fuel is hedged at 81 buck. Uh, Big 81% at $67. Uh, full year 2024 50% hedged at 93. Uh, um dollars per barrel and they are bringing forward full restoration of pay for all crews covered by long-term agreements to the 1st of december 2022. right there is so much in here as well a lot more as well let's get to michael o'leary let's see everyone michael first of all as i said to you off there thank you for joining us around the set it's always uh, good to see certain faces back the other ones we've segregated and we haven't let them back yet um so what do you think i mean looking at the statement i i can't work out if you are cautiously optimistic Or very concerned about what's going on in the world? I think cautiously
3: optimistic, Steve, is the right place to be. We've had a very strong uh, summer, I mean, compared to pre-COVID rather than last year. Pre-COVID traffic in the uh, peak summer uh, quarter was up 11% and yields were up 15%, which is very unusual, as you know, in our industry. We look set for a strong winter. But, you know, I'm conscious last year we had Omicron at the end of November, which crushed Christmas, and the Ukraine invasion crushed Easter. So... It's very fragile. Uh, We've done very well. We're the only big airline in Europe that's operating at high above pre-COVID capacity. We've restored profitability to COVID levels, which enables us in December to restore the payroll or the agreed payroll cuts for about 90% of the pilots and the cabin crew, which we're very proud of. But passenger spend is strong. Uh, We've been a little bit surprised, but we thought it would dip into September, October. There's so much negativity about customer spend, uh, price inflation, which is real. But this is unusual. This is certainly in my lifetime, the first time we've gone into a recession with almost full employment across Europe. People are spending, they're certainly spending on travel. And I think one of the learnings that's going to come out of COVID is they were locked up for two years. Travel is going to be one of the things they're going to keep doing.
0: Yeah, I could agree more on that, on the, on the demand front, but on the supply front, something that has always resonated that, that you told me years ago, and you've mentioned it a few times in various cycles, that at the bottom, this industry, uh, everyone's gloomy, but at the top, there are so many airlines in it, and the barriers to entry are low, and you can't maintain that fair discipline because so many people are trying to undercut you. Is it different this time? Because finally, money is being priced differently. I, I think there's
3: a, I mean, I, I would say there's a risk opportunity that is different this time because so much capacity was taken out during COVID. You've seen airlines, <laughs> Thomas Cook, Flybe, gone bust. Alitalia have taken out 50% capacity, it's not coming back. TAP have taken out about 40% of their capacity. EasyJet, Whiz and others are still not operating back at their pre-COVID volume. So this feels slightly different. Um, and then I think the, the real overhang here for the next two or three years is going to be much higher financing costs. You know, the days of cheap money are over, you know, and, and this feels to me like one of those Warren Buffett moments when the tide goes out, you see who's wearing swimming t- trunks and who's naked. And I think we're going to see that in our industry in the next two or three years. Already the legacies are talking about more m a TAP as a target, Alitalia start. I think we're going to see in the next four or five years, but I've been saying it for 10 years now, the, the final consolidation when Europe moves towards four large airlines, three big connecting carriers, and one large low-cost carrier?
1: And Michael, in the context, it's hard to see how demand holds up across the board because we've got lists that have been drawn up in a lot of companies. But what comes next if demand starts to form their own specific industries? Mm. You know, it's been a very strong travel period. Surely the demand side must tighten at some point, even if we're not seeing it here. I mean,
3: that's absolutely correct. I mean, and we've been waiting for that demand to tighten up, but we haven't seen it yet. I mean, the October midterms are very strong. Christmas looks very strong. But there's a fragility there. If something, if, if there was an adverse development in COVID or an adverse development in Ukraine, Christmas could still fall over. But if it doesn't, it looks very strong. And I think what's unusual this time around is that people are still employed. Uh, there's still a lot of job vacancies. Uh, people are still spending, but they're spending on, I think, food and travel and energy
1: you want to talk about distributions to shareholders? Because it sounds as though preservation of cash, cash might be king at some point. Uh, sure. So having a bank that you can tap into, you've mentioned that it's not going to be a priority for, for next year. So when can shareholders expect this to be a priority? I, mean, I think
3: our shareholders are, really kind of like, we, we, we've rebuilt uh, cash flow. We have a very strong balance sheet. We're sitting on about four and a half billion of cash at the moment. But in the next uh, 12 months, we have one and a half billion of bonds that we're going to repay. We don't. We're not going to refinance them. We're going to pay them down. And then we've got two billion in gross capex. We'll take delivery of about another 51 aircraft from Boeing, if Boeing can deliver them on time. So we're at peak capex at the moment, but I think our focus will be, rather than uh, uh, distributions to shareholders, we pay down debt. Uh, we have, uh, we closed the year, and in March, 1.5 billion of net debt. At the end of September, that's down to half a billion of net debt. So we're determined to go, we're going back to zero net debt in April of next year. And thereafter, I think once we've paid down the bonds in the next twelve months, then we'll look at shareholder distributions. And you know, we couldn't have looked at it until we'd fully restored the pay cuts to uh, the crews. That's been done in the December payroll.
0: You mentioned earlier on one big low-cost carrier. Does that mean that Norwegian and EasyJet? Well, what does it mean for Norwegian EasyJet? I, mean, like Norwegian... I presume you think you'll be the big low-cost carrier. Oh, there's it's <laughs> no, no question of that.
3: Like, I, I think ultimately, you know, EasyJet are increasingly looking like, I mean, we'll be involved in M&A. You know, they have very valuable slots at Gatwick and Charles de Gaulle at Orlean in Switzerland. And I think, you know, they're no longer growing, although it's a well-run operation. But if you're not growing in this industry, I think the real learning out of COVID has been, Ryanair has come out of COVID with slightly lower costs than we went in. EasyJet, Wizz, Norwegian, everybody else has come out with a much higher cost base. Their fleet is now largely operating leases. We own all of our fleet. Uh, they have higher labor costs. They have higher airport costs. And I think they're going to have to find a, a way to play in the M&A game because they're not able to compete with us on head to head on cost or on prices. Mm. And we've seen that in the last 12 months. Wizz made a big play to move into Vienna. They've essentially reversed. They've made a big play to go into Italy. They've essentially reversed. Uh, because we're, I mean, I think the real barrier to entry in Europe for the next four or five years is going to be, can you compete with Ryanair at 999? And if you can't, then don't try.
0: Who are you going after in the report today? I haven't seen because for years, the joy about your reports have been that someone's got it. Whether it's the uh, Civil Airports Authority, whether it's the gold-plated Taj Mahal's, was that one <laughs> that, Correct. that was talking about? Stansted he- a few? Years? Yeah, no, Heathrow. I thought it was the new uh, the, the new terminal at uh, Stansted, you called that one. Oh, I don't know. No, they, but, I mean, look... I, who's getting it today? Who, who's the real... Because, I mean, it keeps the fire in your belly by having to go at someone.
3: I think if you ask what the real challenge is, but not just from an aircraft operating point of view, but also an environmental point of view, is the mess that is European ATC. You know, I mean, ATC has been a shambles all summer long. The yep. airlines take all the blame for these flight delays and cancellations, some of which in the in the Q1 were airport uh, mismanagement. I mean, Heathrow is a, just a, a, is a joke. But air traffic control in Europe, if you really want to uh, agree or, uh, to have a the most significant thing we could do in our industry from an environmental perspective to reduce fuel consumption would be to have an effect effective competition between the national ATC providers in Europe. Europe has been talking for 30 years now about a single European sky where we'll have Spanish productivity and French pay rates. No progress has been made because the governments won't take on the national ATC unions. We still have a situation where when the French go on strike, they use minimum, uh, minimum uh, service legislation to, to protect the French flights and all the overflights get cancelled. It's a joke. Um, I think we need to deregulate, liberalise air traffic control across Europe. We no longer need those services. In actual fact, the aircraft, the aircraft are so uh, technologically advanced anti-collision avoidance systems. Why do we pay for it at all? And all they do is delay our flights and delay our passengers. Yeah.
1: Well, we're talking about the future. Let me bring up the oil price because yeah. I'm looking into your 2023 level. You're hedged at 81%, hedged at $67 a barrel. Uh, looks like you may not lose on that one, uh, given prices not reversing. But 2024 now 50% hedged at $93 a barrel, yeah. and clearly we don't have visibility out until 90 uh, until uh, 24. At this point, we could be in a recession. Then mm. we could be in difficult times. A war may be sold. Price could flip low on those that haven't hedged could be in a slightly different position. So just talk through your, your strategy and your thinking well, on this. I mean, we've
3: been very well hedged. I mean, uh, two things about Ryanair. Firstly, we're very well hedged on oil. I mean, as you said, uh, eighty over 80% at $67 out to March of 23. But we're very well hedged on the dollar. We've hedged all of our CapEx, all of our new aircraft deliveries out to 2025 at $1.24 to the euro. Like, so we're saving a fortune on our CapEx. But I think it's very interesting on oil. We've hedged 50% of our requirements out to March 2024, and now we've stopped. Because at $92 a barrel, the risk is actually that oil might fall in the next two years. If you have a really deep recession, Chinese demand is suffering because of COVID and Ukraine gets solved. Actually, oil prices could fall into the summer of 2023. And we're a little bit nervous. I think we're well covered at 50% at $93 a barrel. But I think we want to kind of say, well, let's hold off for another three, four months now and see whether over the medium term, if you really have a deep recession, I think oil prices will fall. That's not a forecast, but we don't want to hedge everything into FY24 at $93 a barrel and then find that our competitors who can't afford to hedge or don't have a balance sheet are picking up cheaper spot oil because of either deep recession. I mean, shale oil production is rising in the the US and uh, the uh, Russian commodities oil and gas has to find a home somewhere, probably in China and India.
1: There's another angle here too, and that is the sustainable future. You know, which direction we're heading when it comes to aircraft development, sustainable yep. fuels. What are you seeing on that side? Because you've been pushing for better operating practices. Are you seeing anything that gives you any hope? I mean, the
3: most significant thing we've seen is that the new new aircraft technology, when Bo- we use the Boeing Max to set the game changer, it's phenomenal. I mean, we're carrying 4% more passengers on those aircraft, 197 seats. They are burning 16% less fuel, Like, which is, you know, when oil is your biggest, um, it is a huge upgrade. Sustainable aviation fuels at the moment, you know, we're all campaigning, we're researching, but the, the volumes, the supply is tiny. Uh, now, we've we signed deals with Neste to cover our uplifts in, in Amsterdam, OMG, we're to cover, it. we'd take about 200,000 tons in Germany, Austria, but it's very small. Um, and there is no, unless there's something that none of us see yet, there's no new engine technology before 2030, 2040 that's going to be a seismic changer. So I think SAFs, But I think governments need to step up in Europe. I mean, they're taxing the hell out of aviation. The money is all being trousered. They're not spending the money on helping us to survive or helping develop a supply of SAFs. And I worry over the medium term. SAFs, if if they really become very large, all of a sudden you're going to be driving up food prices on, you know, uh, converting food into sustainable aviation fuels. I think that's going to pose uh, both economic and moral challenges as well. So for the moment, I think it's new engine technology, but there's a limit to what we can do with new engine technology.
0: Uh, I'm talking about new engines, so you mentioned already in one of your answers about the Boeing deliveries. um, Are they uh, giving you some form of discount because of the delays?
3: Uh, um, They've been been paying us compensation, but really we don't want compensation from Boeing. We want the aircraft. The problem for us is they pay us compensation. We take it through the balance sheet and it comes off CapEx, which you recognize over 20 years on depreciation. If we got the aircraft, we can grow more more top-line growth, more revenue growth, more ancillary revenue growth, and more profits. So what is it?
0: They can't get the semis? What is it?
3: They are The whole production system in Seattle is backed up. I mean, I was out there two weeks ago, and it's like an elephant's graveyard. There's about 30 aircraft in front of the production facility that they can't move the aircraft because one's missing a part, one has a production... <laughs> ch- you know then they can't get the planes into the, the manufacturing. There's about 20 green holes out the back and they, the whole thing is just backed up. Wow. I think Boeing overplayed the, uh, you know, it's all supply chain. Some of it is Boeing. They just got to get their act together. They need a much more aggressive way of getting the aircraft completed and off the ramp. Um, and they certainly need, I mean, we would be fully supportive of Boeing. They need an extension from Congress on the max, uh, on the max uh, on the MAX 10. Uh, They've got to get the same uh, cockpit hull design as the seventy seven. We don't want two different cockpits. We won't have fleet commonality. Um, But they're way behind Airbus at the moment, and we're working with them to try to get them to catch up.
0: Um, quick word on the politicians in the UK as well. We, we've mentioned Brexit a few times over the years. Uh, are you yeah. talking to the new Transport Secretary? Uh, any it, any
3: joy there from them? A bit early, yeah. Look, I mean, I would be mildly optimistic. I think there's some adults in charge now after what we've gone through in the last two years. You know, look, Brexit is done. There's no point in re But you need Brexit with a sensible trade deal with your largest market, which is the European Union. And like, for all... You know, in business, we tend to be practical. We tend to adapt to these things. We can't have this kind of irrational political nonsense of it's all, you know, we we want to be independent, sunny uplands. we've in our industry, I mean, the big challenge for us this summer in the UK was getting visas. We could get visas from the Home Office for Turks and Moroccans, but we couldn't get visas for Portuguese, Italians, and Spanish. Now, go figure. I mean, it's absolutely nuts. We need some sensible people running the government over here. I hope we've found a few. They may not be the most exciting in the world, but like most (laughs) things, you need sensible, practical people who have solutions, not Boris, Liz, Truss and all that idiocy.
0: Um, final word because um, you and I were debating whether you'd said gold plated Taj Mahals <laughs> about about Heathrow or Stansted. I got a feeling you've said it about a whole host of places because the first bit of copy I could find was actually Michael talking about Dublin's second terminal yep. uh, being another gold plated Taj Mahal. So uh, you've used it one a few times. It That's true. Like. That was two thousand and seven.
3: True, but I mean to be fair
0: to Stansted, I mean since Manchester
3: acquired Stansted, they've become much more uh, common sense. It's it's left the regulatory regime. Now they only build what we need built. Yeah. Now Stansted that they do need to expand the terminal. It is a bit crushed there during the summer, partly because we, Ryaners recovered so strongly. I think we are a victim of our own success in Stanza, but we're working with the uh, the airport there. We will see, I think, a terminal extension there in the next two or three years, but it will be a low cost, well-run terminal, unlike Heathrow, which, you know, the, whose solution to COVID was put up the charges to customers by 90% and send out John Holland Kate to talk rubbish all summer long about why it was the <laughs> airline's fault he couldn't recruit security staff.
0: Talking about um, Fairs? Have you, you won't have seen this, but Jeff and I did. The right. the fares that Michael and the rest of the industry ha- has been able to put forward for the Rugby World Cup yes. for October. Are you aware of the fares for that weekend? For I that am,
3: bit yes.
0: It's a bounteous time for Ryanair, is all I can uh, say. We, 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 <laughs> only during the qualifying group. I mean, Ireland, we beat South Africa on
3: Saturday afternoon, but we'll go along and we'll lose to Japan in the World <laughs> Cup because what we always do.
0: There was a small tear in my eye when <laughs> I tried to book my flights for the quarterfinals weekend. Seriously, I mean, one of the things that we've really
3: seen, though, across in continental Europe, this year i mean i had to uh, for my sins i was on a road show in the spring and i had to buy a one-way fare from frankfurt to go down to zurich uh, 800 euros one way i said no i want the economy fare." no, no I want, i'm not one bit that is the economy fair i mean what's going on in germany in particular where Lufthansa now has a quasi monopoly and they are going to roger every german citizen for the next two or three years so i predict we'll be have a strong return from reiner into germany in about two or three years time when the Germans discover that they're all being um, screwed by their national carrier.
0: Well, I was going to say that a lot of our German friends watching now are just Googling what Roger means. Uh, Michael, <laughs> always a pleasure. <laughs> it's a rugby term, Steve. It's a rugby term. <laughs> exactly. We know that. Uh, Michael, lovely Karen, to see thank you. you. Love to see you. Great <laughs> to be back. Michael here is CEO of Ryanair. And just say coming up on the show, U.S. job growth remains resilient. Michael's talking about full employment, pretty much coming in well ahead of expectations. We'll have some more on this after the break.
1: And for more on the Apple iPhone, warning amid the ongoing COVID curbs in China, you can check out the Squawk Box podcast.
2: Well, they
0: very interesting figures on Friday, weren't they? U.S. job growth was stronger than expected in October, with non-farm payrolls increasing by 261,000 for the month. Healthcare, leisure and hospitality led the gains, but the pace of growth was still the slowest since December 2020. The unemployment rate also rose a higher to 3.7%. Richmond Fed President Thomas Barkin told CNBC the central bank is now moving into more defensive territory
1: real rates are positive pretty much across the curve. And so I think you could credibly say, we have our foot on the brake. And I think when you've got your foot on the brake, uh, you just think about steering in a very different uh, way. Um, You pump the brakes uh, sometime, you act a little bit more uh, deliberatively. And I'm ready to do that. Um, And I think the implication of that is probably a slower rate of pace pace of rate increases, a longer pace of rate increases, and potentially a higher uh, endpoint. A decent pop stateside markets breaking a two day losing streak and you can see above uh, 1% across the board for the Dow, the S&P and Nasdaq for the Friday trade. Big moving stocks to the upside. Goldman Sachs, a big driver for the Dow, Microsoft for the S&P 500. But that said, if you take a look at the course of the trading week, we had eight of 11 sectors trading lower for the week led to the downside by communication services. So telling you about those big tech stocks still being punished and in particular over the course of the trading week, FANG stocks are losing about 10 plus percent. So it was a rough old trading week for those big name tech stocks that we've been watching out of Silicon Valley. But uh, big moves afoot. Uh, One of the big stories today is uh, Meta expected to slash its workforce. Uh, So again, we are seeing very tough actions around some of these stock price moves and that is just filtering through to some of these company decisions. Taking a look at the dollar, the trade this morning is one where we're seeing a little bit of weakness again in the major pairs and crosses versus the greenback sterling. Euro both on the back foot, we're down four tenths on pound 26, 27 roughly, just below parity on euro dollar trades. Dollar yen 147.21 where we were perched, another four tenths higher on that trade. And dollar yuan uh, slightly stronger again, just over half of 1%. To the Asian markets, uh, there's been a huge focus uh, around COVID policy as we wrapped up the trading week. uh, There were hopes that there would be some change to the uh, zero COVID policy, but uh, that's now been dashed by authorities and uh, markets though you can see still rallying. And Hong Kong has been the fascinating one. Some of the tone seems to be that this uh, potential U-turn put the market focus back on the hong kong market which has been heavily beaten up over recent years and on the layer on top of course lately around the tech sector but uh, the investors still staying with it despite some disappointment around any u-turn on policy other major markets you can see travelling high picking up on that wall street lead